the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. Good morning. Welcome in. Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Ultimately, anything you want to talk about, we could talk about. We could talk about love. We could talk post-love. We could talk pre-love. We could talk content along the lines of, oh, good golly, uh, prenup or post-nup? If you can't get a prenup, first and foremost, everyone should get a prenup. I know you're saying, wait, wait, just let, give me a little bit more time to be in love before you go negative. I think if you can't get a prenup, it's a problem. And I can give you an example from way back when I was younger. And I was totally in love with a woman named Juliet. We lived together and we did all that kind of good stuff. Um, what I can tell you, what's interesting about that is, uh, help me, help me, help me, help me. Um, oh, when I moved in with her, she, um, we had a lot of CDs. This was in the day and age where we had CDs before we had, you know, streaming services per se. And you had to buy your own music. And I swear I bought one CD and she swears she bought that CD. And when push came to shove time to break up, she took the CD. And, you know, I was in that giving loving mood or mode, maybe, uh, where I was like, oh, whatever. You're a loser anyway, kind of thing in my head. So I wasn't exactly playing my cards totally correctly on the way out, per se. Um, but a prenup would have been nice. Right? The CD is mine. What if it was my... Uh, my grandmother had a, a handmade quilt. It was a family heirloom, right? What if it was that? So, prenups tend to like get caught up in television as like, oh, she's a gold digger, or will she be a gold digger, or you're letting daddy's money go to that gold digger. There's always like a drama on it. And I'm saying if you can't do it, you, you should. You shouldn't get married because you can't talk. So, that's out there. Um, as far as things to think about, Warren Buffett is selling some of his Apple. Warren Buffett is the granddaddy. He is the granddaddy of investing. Uh, maybe the great, great grandfather kind of thing. He's a warm, lovable guy. He's the greatest investor of all time. He's one of the richest people in the world. He's cut, uh, his share in Apple. Now what's interesting about that is, I don't know. There's something about leopards and spots and changing their spots or stripes or something like that. I, I don't have the whole thing in my head. But he famously missed out on tech stocks in the 90s and 2000s. He went out of his way to say, I, I don't know how to value a company like that. He's kind of a cash flow kind of guy. He likes to see the cash coming in. He likes to see being able to make your payments. Um, it's, it's much, much more than that. He goes into intrinsic value and stuff that would put you to sleep. But He's cutting a share in Apple. He did it at the end of last year. Um, 
What's interesting to note about that is, oh, what's an Apple sound effect? I got it. That went through me. Uh, but he's the Oracle of Omaha, and people will go, well, if he's selling, I'm selling, because I tell you, you should be like him. You should like try to follow and emulate him if you can. Very, very difficult. But uh, that's a story that's out there today. Uh, Amazon.com, the whole New York City uh, controversy. I don't know if you heard me a couple weeks ago, but I got almost sick when a friend of mine who works in the real estate industry sent me an inside office YouTube video. Um, that was Amazon is coming to town. And these realtors were basically sending it out to their clients like, hey, you better buy now. You better not wait. And it was all about Amazon's coming to town. Are they going to come out with a new video? Amazon's not coming to town anymore. Um, and anyone who invests in real estate on a speculative, uh, not a speculative, but on kind of like a gold rush mentality got hurt. So a lot of people in Long Island lost a lot of money because they're like, I'm going to open up a pizza place right here. This pizza place will do all wonderful because it's right across the street from the new Amazon headquarters. See that beautiful that area that's in the Amazon new headquarters. So, and that's my Italian, by the way. Thank you very much. Thank you. Oddly enough, my Italian sounds a lot like my Spanish, my European. All of my accents are basically the same accent, right? <laughs> um, stupid. So that's, I got that going for me, which is always nice. Um, retail sales is something we looked at yesterday, and the market got a little bit spooked on it. Uh, market's enjoying an out-of-body experience. Woo! right now as it floats above very, very weak data. I saw the Dow Jones Industrial Average is close to its October highs, all-time highs. It's closing in on it. So we're floating higher, and yet there's like some news out there. Ooh, I'm going to spoil Valentine's Day with bad retail sales numbers. Ooh, will the U.S. and China make a deal? I kind of want Howie Mandel to work in Washington for a little while. Come on in the news at 6 o'clock. You're sitting down in your chicken pot pie. I love chicken pot pies. You're sitting down with your chicken pot pie. And uh, Howie Mandel goes, China, do you want a deal or no deal? And he's like, I got to call the banker. Blah, I got to call the banker. I kind of worry. That's, we got to get this deal done at some point in time. It's, um, it's sleepy. It's like a meditation to me at this point in time. Deal or no deal. Deal or no deal? President Trump and President Xi. Um, they're working towards a memo that they're just going to come out and say, well, we got a deal in the plan or the works or something like that. It's it's just, uh, the story is such a, so redundant. I hate redundancy, right? So NVIDIA is in the news today. Better than feared guidance from NVIDIA. Better than feared guidance. Whoa. That makes me want to hit myself with a stick. Let me say what that means. Better than feared guidance. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I got it. So they're basically saying we're, we're in a bottom. So it was fear that they were going to say, uh, watch out, fallen knife. We don't know where it's going to land. But they basically said spring. Spring's bottom. Okay, so that's better than feared. I get it. PepsiCo's in the news. PepsiCo is long for Pepsi. Why they can't just be like every other company and go by the name Pepsi or Coca-Cola? It's not Coca-Cola Co. Um, it, it still upsets me on a daily basis. But uh, PepsiCo's in the news. They missed the ex- earnings expectations by a penny. Uno penny. 
I think you're saying, no, no, uno peso. No, uno penny. So they missed the earnings. But really what was important was they said 2019 looks like a down year. And now you can sell sugar water. I know you're saying, what is sugar water? Well, sugar water, uh, milk has a lot of sugar in it. Um, Pepsi doesn't sell milk, but they sell uh, Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, all that kind of stuff. Sugar water, right? They also sell orange juice, sugar, juice, and water, right? Right, right. You with me? So they basically jack us up, and they basically said, 2019, we're not going to be, America doesn't need to be jacked up that much. So they lowered their expectations. And uh, Wall Street is a business of what have you done for me lately? No, 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 no. Wall Street is a business about what are you going to do in the next six months? When you look at valuing stocks, you're trying to look out six months into the future, which is kind of a cool thing in my opinion. So that's out there is one of the top stories of the day. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about. Money, investing, and more. You want to talk insurance? <laughs> That's never fun. Oh, markets opened higher. Broad advance. U.S. and China reportedly set to continue trade talks next week in Washington, D.C., I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Jones in for some coffee this morning. So I've done financial media now for 20 plus years, right? This whole financial AM radio thing. The way I fell into it is I, I, I never said no. Um, so when I started a financial company that bought and sold stocks and gave investment advice, I was pretty good at it. And someone said, hey, can you jump on the radio because our, our reporter in Boston is quitting. Um, and I said, sure. I can hear him directly. Just 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, CalPERS, this is kind of an interesting take. You know, uh, I talked earlier about Warren Buffett selling some of his Apple. Warren Buffett is a rich dude. Berkshire Hathaway has a lot of money. So when I say something like he's selling some of his share, it's material, right? Well, a big pension fund is going bigger and bigger and bigger into... Dun, dun, dun. Marijuana stocks. Um, that brings up a question. If Calpers is tied towards the teacher's pension and everything. When do you get ethical? Do you get ethical? Um, Calpers apparently doesn't. It's it's kind of interesting, you know. My dad died from cancer, probably because he smoked a pack of Salem Salem Lights. I don't even know Salem. Those are the green menthol ones. Drink a lot of it. Um, I I would own I would own tobacco stocks. I don't have a problem with that. Do you, do you see kind of where I'm going at with this? Um, sometimes you have to say your ethics are on the back burner. So my dad dies of cancer. I'll say, I'll look at a financial statement of, of Phil Morris. I'll try to go, Ooh, look at that. That's a beauty. And I'll say, I'll, I, I can jump into that. Do you have that issue with marijuana? Or like, 
I'm kind of revolting because I'll buy tobacco even though my dad died. It's almost like investing in uh, a gun company after, you know, a mass shooting in Orlando or a mass shooting in Newton, Colorado or Newton or Colorado. It's, it's kind of morbid, but people do it. How morbid is it when you think about the idea of investing in something like Home Depot or Lowe's or Genvac when there's a hurricane? It's going to be in the news. You know, you're going to come home and people are going to be sweeping uh, water out of their, their house and they're going to go, I don't know what happened. I was just sitting here watching the television and uh, water came in the house. And you're like, poor woman, she needs to go Home Depot or Lowe's. And the next thing you see is she's at Home Depot or Lowe's getting broom and stuff. Free advertising, right? So CalPERS, they're a big one. You can get the annual report of CalPERS and say, if it's good enough for them, it might be good enough for me. I don't want you to say if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for me. I, I, I think CalPERS has a lot to teach us. California Public Employees Retirement System. We've seen some retirement system funds go bankrupt because of bad management. But we've learned from that through the years of how to... I'm not saying we've learned. Let me be very... We've uh, tried to learn from that. So if you were to study out CalPERS, you would learn a lot. Uh, they have to err on the side of caution. Now, they don't always do that because they're investing in marijuana stocks, right? Okay. Uh, if I can go back in time and figure out which of my high school teachers were high all day long and which ones were not, I got to imagine at least one was, right? Anyhow, CalPERS more than tripled its uh, holdings of Tilray, ticker symbol T-L-R-Y, a Canadian grower. Now, here's the problem I have with this, and again, call me goofy. Um... Marijuana will eventually become a commodity like corn, like wheat, uh, because growing it's not the most difficult thing in the world. Uh, it's a weed. Growing corn is a lot more difficult to get it you know, perfectly popping and everything right at the seasonal time. Weeds grow, well, like weeds, right? <laughs> or they grow like children. Or do children grow like weeds or do weeds grow like children? I'm not sure which one it is. But I'm going to stick with that story. So CalPERS also owns Constellation Brands. That's the way I would play the marijuana boom. Constellation Brands makes uh, alcohol and booze. And the thought there is is that they can infuse new drinks with uh, cannabinoid technology. And they're going to extract a $6 million man to make the $6 marijuana drink. That'll calm you down before you go to bed. So I like Constellation Brands. It's a category that's always shifting. Um, there was a period in the 80s and 90s, you know, uh, it feels great or tastes great. Oh, oh my gosh, what am I thinking here? I don't want to blow this and make it into a sexual innuendo. Tastes great, less filling. But I don't want to make that into a sexual innuendo. Tastes great, less filling. Tastes great, less filling. Tastes great, less filling, right? There was a point in time where like the Budweiser's ruled and then the craft beers and uh, Sam Adams. Sam Adams, what an investment. At one point in time, I interviewed the CEO, uh, Greg Koch or Coach or something like that, whatever his name is, on the show probably about 17 years ago. And uh, it was fantastic because we said it was a preset interview. He, his people called our people kind of thing. And my producer pulled me a, a case of beer. But because he can't send beer across state lines, he could send ciders for some reason. I got a case of cider. I'm like, oh, it was like the best day ever, a free case of beer. When you're a younger man, and then it turns into a, a free case of cider. 
Oh, no. That just ruined the whole story. But anyway, Constellation Brands is how I would play the marijuana push. Uh, because you know Americans and especially Europeans are going to drink. And uh, because of that, there's going to be, a, you know, the big guys have got, got a stake in this. So on top of what CalPERS owns there, they also own GW Pharmaceuticals. Now, I may not know GW Pharmaceuticals. So when I see that CalPERS owns, you know, these three marijuana stocks, I'm like, okay, I get to or either grower, I get it. I get Constellation Growth, I get it, I get it, I get it, I get it. I get, you know, um, Constellation Brands. But then I'm like, GW Pharmaceuticals, maybe I should do a little homework on them and I'll go to the company's website and I'll order their annual report and I'll, I'll start the ball rolling there. Now, there's rumors that Coca-Cola will get into marijuana and they're like, no, we're America's greatest company. We're red, white, and blue. You can't say uh, America without saying Coca-Cola. Well, yeah, you can. You can say America. Coca-Cola is actually not in there. But they'd have you believe otherwise. Um, so CalPERS also bought some AT&T. They got a big fat dividend. They also got that 5G thing coming up. Um, and they did buy some Coca-Cola of note. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. Find me anywhere, anywhere on the internet. And uh, drop me an email, rob at robblackshow.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. Coming up on the show, I'm going to go over some stock ideas and what's going on. What's going on on Wall Street? I'm Rob Black. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. What's your biggest flop ever? I can tell you in the world of stocks, one of mine was buying a cancer kind of company that I didn't know what the hell I was doing. I got in over my head. I can tell you there's been some relationship flops. What's the biggest flop you have in your life? Did you strike out, well, at bat with the bases loaded? Uh, were you the little fat kid who couldn't jump over the pommel horse? And as you're trying to bounce over it, ooh, you go straight into it. I know, I know. You're saying you watch too much YouTube. I probably do. How about flops like from Apple? We know their successes. Do you remember the flops? Um, there's many of them. Many, 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 many. They once came out with a computer. $7,500 price tag. This was in 1997 when computer prices were dropping fast. And they went for the high end. Um... Clunky, clunky uh, 20th anniversary Mac is what it was, if I remember quickly. <laughs> oh, Elmer Fudd just made an appearance. Oh, what if you woke up and you had Elmer Fudd's voice? Macintosh TV was Apple's attempt to capture a whole new market way before its time. And yes, there was a Macintosh TV. It's considered one of the biggest flops of Apple's history. Um, it couldn't do picture in picture. It didn't have a standard video outport. Started at two thousand dollars. Now I know you're saying two thousand dollars for a TV. Um, Apple blew that one, huh? Uh, there's other big flops that they had in the mid 1990s. Someone at Apple got the idea that a Macintosh hardware could be used to create a platform for video gaming, and they came out with what's called the Pippin. I know you're saying. Aren't Pippin those little little penguin-like animals that live in Ireland? No, those are puffins. This is a Pippin. Um, 
so they had a game console that came out in 1994. No one really remembers that story, but they remember the $1,000 iPhone. Or they'd buy an iPhone for their kid, and the kid would drop it within two minutes, and you're like, why did you just drop a $600 phone, you little crap? And the real question is, why did you give a $600 phone to a little kid, you horrible parent? Um, the Pippin was too expensive. It was $600 at a time when gaming consoles like the Sony PlayStation was $300. Do you see that Apple makes a lot of mistakes in the end about pricing as well as sometimes product? Is that the lesson here? Um, do you remember MySpace? Do you remember the social media network before the social media network, Facebook and Twitter? There was something called Ping. It was supposed to be the successor to MySpace, and it was kind of a, a place for Apple people to hang out with each other. It was iTunes social media network endorsed by none of them. Ga, 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 ga. You know who I'm talking about, right? You know who I'm talking about when I go, ga, 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 ga. Um, yeah, so she endorsed it. Coldplay endorsed it. Big fanfare in 2010. It was going to change iTunes. And, um, you know, people get together to talk about music. It lasted two years and Apple shut it down. You're fired. Then there was the iPad before the iPad that Apple had called the Newton. And uh, it didn't have a color screen, I don't think. It had a $700 price tag. Do you remember some of the pieces of garbage technology we would buy? If you go to the San Jose Museum of, of Technology, Museum of Technology, Tech Museum, yes, you will see a lot of kids dressed up as, as uh, Spock. And I don't understand why, because I, I don't get it. I don't see the tie, but you'll see a lot of old tech products that were awful. Apple's personal digital assistant made its debut in 1993, $700. Apple hoped to recoup the $100 million it had invested in the development. It didn't even sell a million units. So you do the math. It was a disaster. It had some sort of handwriting recognition thing. And I remember people would show up to seminars that I had, and I'd see these these devices out there, and they were really awful. And it's almost like an an abacus was too much work for me. When I was in second grade, and the teacher's like, here's an abacus, and here's how you count ones and tens and hundreds. and <coughs> Too much work for me. There's things called calculators, you old lady. Um, so when you, when you have <coughs> the Newton, and you're like using sketching technology, too much work. Too much work. Then there was the Performa X200 series that Matt came out with. Disaster. Everyone avoided it at all costs. 1995. So we're not talking about like a million years ago. Maybe it feels like that. But they were trying to put a lot of the pieces of the computer together in one area. So like they would put not a tape drive, but they used, Apple used to have these funny disk drives compared to what you know, was the standard in the PC world. And that was the problem with Apple is like people who weren't on the Apple platform yet said, oh, those are funny hard drives. Oh, those are funny things. Um, Macs were considerably slower than PCs. And that's why the Performa X200 died. RIP, bad tech products, right? Then Apple had another big failure with the Mac G4 Cube. 
they got a little they got a little cutesy there for a while, right? All the Apple products were like, oh, you can get a orange computer, or you can get one that you could see through that's like light blue. Got a little bit too cutesy with the design, which is fine. I think it's it's great. It's industrial. It pushed things forward. Absolutely. But the Power Mac G4 Cube was beautiful. Beautiful. Um, and when you started plugging in accessories like mice, it became very ugly. So it was it was beautifully designed, but implementation was, was quite flawed. Um, it flopped from the very first day. So it... it it had no cycle to it at all. It had no staying power. It was just in the end, it looked like it looks like a computer of the future until you actually use it. And then it was like, Oh wow, that's clunky. One of the things that I did early on in my career, and I know you're saying career, I was 14 or 15 years old and I would build computers for people. The Apple II, the Apple IIe, the Apple three, the Apple three came out in 1980. Uh, this was a, Big commercial failure. Um, again, Apple was just too expensive. $4,300 to $7,500 for a computer. It was uh, very expensive. Now, yes, 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 it was kind of cool. But you look at it today and it was, it, you couldn't do a lot with it. So, um, Steve Jobs told Playboy Magazine in 1985 that Apple lost infinite, incalculable amounts of money on the flop. Now, that's a pretty big statement from Steve Jobs, because you hear Steve Jobs say, did you hear the time you gave a TED Talk? I don't think he ever gave a TED Talk. Did you hear the time you talked to those kids at Stanford? Okay, so I heard that one. But people rarely think of him as having so many flops. Lots and lots of flops. Um, The PowerBook laptop uh, was a craze in the early 1990s. IBM's ThinkPad was like the stud of a vehicle of uh, computers. It was just it was ramped up. It was beautiful. And uh, Apple tried to do the PowerBook 5300 again, just wildly underpowered. Uh, they were trying to make it as physically compact as possible, and it still kind of had a brick feeling to it. Plastic cases were prone to cracking, especially around the edges. The broken plastic would then fray the cables inside. Very, 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 very problematic. Uh, poorly designed product. And again, you only think of Steve Jobs as this, this god of, of, well, not only just industrial design, but like uh, business design and efficiency, right? I, I, I remember in, um, I used to like Super Bowls when I was younger. Like I was that guy because of the commercials. And it was always fascinating to me, like the Mach 3 razors. Look how many razors we're going to, and they, it's beautiful. You really think as if, um, something biblical has happened and somebody has risen from the grave and there's, there's light shining down on a razor blade, right? It's incredibly well marketed. And then you start seeing commercials for Apple and then you're like, all they do is they don't say a thing and it pisses me off when they don't do that. And they just show like the beautiful curves and the cases of like, I have a friend, um, <clears throat> douchebag who, um, has, um, how shall we say it? A thing for showing off luxuries. He's got a Maserati. He's that guy, right? I got a Maserati. I'm a cool guy. He's got vocal fry. But um, so where am I in this story? Oh, he likes showing things off. So he doesn't put his off iPhones in cases. <laughs> He's like, it's beautiful. Look at it. Look at look at how beautiful the design it is. It's beautiful. 
Why would I put this in a case and turn it into a brick? You're, you're walking around with a brick. I'm walking around with a beautiful. Okay, I get it. How about Apple's Lisa? Do you remember the Lisa PC? Came out in 1983. Incredibly advanced computer for its time. But its operate, uh, operating system was stored on a hard disk for faster performance. It was doing multitasking. It featured a graphical user interface, a GUI. GUI morning to you. A graphical user interface, a GUI. Um, it had a mouse. Why was Lisa flop? Let me guess. Apple charged $10,000 for it. Yes! Yes! It's in the bucket! <laughs> they overpaid. It, it, they got to the point where they're trying to charge $25,000 for a computer. A glorified calculator abacus. It wasn't playing like these video games where like it altered reality and like, whoa, man, I'm in New York City. Whoa. Um, the HomePod. Hey, Siri, play Rob Black and your money. <laughs> I love doing that if anyone's at home right now. <laughs> Um, anyhow, the, um, HomePod's considered a flop at this point in time. As far as home speakers go, will they be able to have a second coming? I'm Rob Black talking all things financial flops and more. Don't forget. There's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at KDOW.biz or on the KDOW radio app. So Amazon is not coming to Long Island. They went through a process of interviewing cities. Cities gave proposals. They gave tax breaks. They gave like rebates. They gave credits. Ultimately, Jeff Bezos probably wants to be pretty close to New York for its media advertising side of the business. Of what Amazon has got a lot of uh, strength, not just selling cheap stuff, but advertising cheap stuff on their website. Um, it's at the point of purchase. It's the most powerful place you can place an ad. It's like when you go to a polling booth and they're like, uh, vote Republican or vote Democrat. And you're like, dude, I'm already here. I think I know what I want to Oh, Who do you should have vote for? You can sway people at the point of purchase. So New York State Senator Michael Gianaris, he defended his opposition to Amazon's now scuttled plan for building a headquarters and bringing a lot of jobs to Queens. Now, when you bring a lot of jobs, a lot of people don't like that because, well, suddenly that your diner that you go to is busy. Or busier. Some of the, like, the bar you were going to or the restaurant you are going to ha- needs reservations, right? Some people don't like change. Um, and he's one of those senators. Uh, he sounds crazy like a Kennedy. He goes, Amazon ever needs to get a hold ever of what uh, to, they mean to communities ever. <laughs> like, you really do sound like Ted Kennedy, dude, don't you? And um, so Amazon's not coming to town. You could see how real estate prices might drop. 53% of Californians want to leave the state, according to a new survey. So 53% of Californians. That's a big round number. That's a lot of people. So when you hear about Amazon and like people got excited and started buying up commercial real estate, then up, they need a kind of thing. What do you think is going to happen to California if 53% do leave? Oh man, <laughs> who stays, right? So San Francisco Gate, uh, SF Gate website, they did a they they just had this article about a survey by Edelman, Edelman Intelligence that says fifty three percent of Californians are considered moving out of the state due to the high cost of living. Millennials, the number sixty three percent, it's higher than the state average, right? 
that's a lot of people. And, you know, the ramifications of that tell you that, like, things are, it's just nuts. The median home price in San Francisco is $1.3 million. Whoa, wowza, wowza, wowza. In theory, you can afford two and a half times your uh, income. So, in theory, if you're making $100,000 a year, you should be buying a $300,000, $250,000 car. Like, so you start doing the numbers there and to own a home mortgage. It's nuts. You know, a $1.4 million home is pulling in a lot in taxes, a crazy amount. A lot of people pay more property tax than, than their neighbors who pay rent kind of thing. Like property taxes are a huge bill. 62% say homelessness is a very serious California issue. And it's kind of interesting because homelessness, you used to think, oh, it's just people on drugs. Oh, it's people over on their lives. Oh, it's people who are mentally ill. But then you start seeing like tech workers and you're like, whoa, this is a weird, weird part of the world. So 62% of those surveyed say the best days living in California are behind them. Now that's also kind of getting, you know, just being older, right? Oh, I remember when I was younger, I went out in San Francisco. I would buy 25 bottles of champagne for the whole bar. Like people are like, they kind of get nostalgic in glory days kind of thing. And you go, well, now there's too many people there. There's a line to get in. I don't understand the music. So people automatically will start saying, I remember the good old days. So there's a little flaw in that, but California has a lot to offer. But a lot like New York City, it's not like you're going to have an original thought. When I was in New York City, I'd come up with this this concept of something along the lines of, uh, I want to go out tonight. And I, 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 I did a lot of work trying to find places to go out, pre-social media, pre-social, big-time internet kind of thing. So you'd find out, you know, you get magazines, find the cool places. And you could find, like, a, a ballet recital by an alligator wearing a tutu. A ballet recital by an alligator wearing a tutu. But in New York City, you go to it, and you're like, this would be pretty cool. This would be pretty unique. And then there's 40,000 other people there. Same thing's kind of happening in the whole California thing. A lot of cool things to do, but a lot of people trying to do those cool things. Mirror Woods is beautiful. You won't believe the giant sequoias. They're unbelievable. Sequoias? Well, there's some sort of big tree. It's beautiful. But when you go to, to Stinson Beach or Muir Woods, oh, yeah, it's going to take you two hours to do a 20-minute drive because there's so many people. So uh, Californians want to leave. What would that do to your real estate? Just ask yourself. Um, the Bay Area is leading the nation in outward migration, meaning more people are leaving the region than moving in. Most of the people who move out of the Bay Area, they don't go too far because they're afraid of east of the Mount of the Rockies. They don't know what's out there. They've heard about a great nuclear war. California's like, oh, I'm not going east of the Rockies. It's really, really tough to get a California over the Rockies. But um, yeah, we're leading the nation to outward migration. And our number one destination, Sacramento. So Sacramento changed their name to Sacramento. They've sponsored it. A lot of people don't know that. You didn't get the postcard. But yeah, a lot of people leave the Bay Area. They move to Sacramento, Los Angeles, Seattle, Portland, and San Diego. 
Um, I was just recently in San Diego. What a lovely city. The problem is it's, it's kind of, I would say it's almost too much, too lovely. It's almost as if the people in San Diego are lizard people eating rats. And they're just going about their happy day until someone stumbles upon the secret. So I'm all in with San Diego. Couldn't do Seattle. Oh, I just can't do it. Uh, I just, I, I, I feel like the people in Seattle look like moss. There it is. It's out there. They're moss people. (laughs) And San Diego are lizard people. Yeah, I'm judgy. I'm Rob Black. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.